Hello and welcome to Hello. Shuffle Buddies. Shuffle Buddies. Shuffle. What? I think that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah. Good start to episode two. So we're back after a single week hiatus. I wouldn't call it like a hiatus. It's just a, a weekly podcast. Yeah. This week has been a week. I actually took uh, Thursday and Friday off because I had all this vacation time built up because we haven't gone anywhere since pandemic. Yeah, it's and kind of so, been like that. So I have all this vacation time, so they kind of want me to start using it. So I took more time off. So I had my three-day week for uh, Thanksgiving, and then I had a three-day week for this week. And I took two extra days off because I thought I was going to do a craft fair this Saturday, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but then it got canceled because oh. COVID got harder. <laughs> they got more hardcore, you know, with the restrictions. Yep. So it got canceled. I was going to use that time to like craft, but it worked out because I just was lazy, which was really nice. And I watched more Crown. I'm not even, I'm not even going to get into it. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> this isn't a Crown podcast. It's a game podcast. Uh, so I was watching that and then, oh man, I, uh, I don't think he listens to this. I don't think anybody at work listens to this yet, but I drew my boss for Secret Santa. Yeah. And he's super into magic. And, ooh, this has a game tie-in. Yeah. Because then I was like, I want to get him a game. He's a big board game geek. And I want to get him something. And this is what I really know about him, is that he really likes Magic the Gathering. And I was thinking about maybe Seven Wonders, maybe a good two-player game, just because, like, just like anybody else, he's quarantined at home as well with his partner. Mm-hmm. I was looking at, like, good two-player games, and I was like, maybe I'll get him, like, Lost Cities and Archaeology or something like that. Then you're like, oh, there's Res Arcana. You kind of, you know, mentioned that it was good for Magic the Gathering fans. Yeah, it's really similar in a lot of ways in that you're like a mage or you're different types of mages type magic users and you're just building a tiny little deck and making a little engine that generates different types of magic that you use to lay down spells or cast magic and things like that. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a... Uh, layman's magic the gathering a little bit where you just don't need to get into the whole deck building thing it's actually you only have eight cards in your deck Mm -hmm. so it's super simple compared to magic but it's really still really smart i'm super excited because then also we played it again like last week and i was like oh yes i do this is a good game i think this is going to be a good one and he even mentioned like in his like employer spotlight or whatever that he likes learning games and Mm. and that's his like superpower is learning new games so i think this will be a really good one for him Plus, I cross-stitched, like, the five icons from Magic. Yeah, like the mana types. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, like, literally finished that when you came home right before we uh, started recording. Yeah, and, and it looks awesome. Yeah, I'm super stoked. Maybe maybe after my gift swap, I'll post a picture of it on the uh, on our Instagram account. On our new Instagram account. That's another piece of new news right there. We're we on, are on social media. We're on all, well, two social medias. The yeah. ones that matter. The ones that matter to us. Maybe. We're on Twitter. We're tweeting at tweeting. shuffle underscore buddies. And then Instagram on the gram. Shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod. Because Twitter yes. wouldn't allow us to do underscore pod because it's too many characters. That's right. Yes. It was driving Chris crazy not and, being able to have the same name for well, all then of Instagram our- Instagram wasn't letting us do <laughs> shuffle buddies. So I just didn't like not having the same, but we just went with it. It's We've fantastic. Posting up a storm of a couple of the games we've been playing, mm-hmm. including this week's game that we're going to be talking about, The Crew. and The Crew inning. <laughs> smash that like button. Smash that like button. <laughs> what was it? Uh, rate- Rate, like, and subscribe. Rate, like, and subscribe. Like, rate, and subscribe. Whatever. Do that because now we're on Apple Podcasts too. Oh, yeah. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yeah. I don't know Should what we to... uh, take a break for our sponsors? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you have any sponsors lined up? Hoyt wine. <laughs> Hoyt wine. I'm drinking a nice, crisp Sauvignon Blanc from uh, New Zealand today. Oh, that's new. Yeah. <laughs> Changed it up a little bit. Yeah. We tried to record last night, and I poured myself a very big glass of wine, and I drank it very quickly. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my gosh, do I sound drunk? Do I sound stupid? Am I dumb right now? Am I saying dumb things? What's happening? <laughs> then we decided to stop recording. <laughs> Not just because of that. There were multiple. We were, it was just an off night for us. But we're going to try it again today. Yeah. Well, this so I week. I took a nice nap. <laughs> I have some bagel dough rising. Got a nice pre-podcast nap in. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you need. Big lazy. Big big day today. I had pants on for a little bit. I have pants on underneath I you. Know, <laughs> I have a blanket on my lap, but I have sweatpants on. I don't have okay. jeans on now. <laughs> I'm going off like on a crazy tangent here. Uh, it, it was a lazy day though because I yeah. got up and you were doing on your cross stitching, and I mm-hmm. decided to play the new hot solo game that I picked up um, on the coffee table while you listened to podcasts and did some crafting, and it was super awesome actually. It's called Under a Falling No, sorry, Under Falling Skies and Under um, Falling Skies Under Falling Skies, which is a pretty awesome name. I like names that I don't know what I don't know what they kind of have like. I don't they're know if that's descriptive like, yet. Yeah, they're kind vision. of obtuse, but it kind of cool like that. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I got that to the table, and it's by Thomas Uliff, and it's by Czech Games Edition. And I've only played it a couple times, but I already, like, I'm going to play a bunch more, I think, because it actually comes with a campaign. And it's like this little dice placement game where you're, like, defending a bunker, underground bunker. You're defending the world from mm-hmm. an underground bunker. Um, against this alien invasion and the aliens come down this long narrow track that's like space invaders yeah um, yeah it's only like it was only like 10 inches wide but it was like yeah a it's really long tall. it's like yeah like a whole table or long i guess yeah it's yeah. like a whole table's length and it's it's really pretty simple and fast as well and it's like a dice placement game where you roll five dice and then you place them in various rooms in your underground bunker and each room triggers an action like attacking or building further into the base or generating energy which you need to do all the other actions and every time you place it if you place a high dice it does a really good version of that action but it also um, activates the spaceships in that row and they fly down faster at you so it's like a really tricky puzzle of being like, I want to do all these great things, but I'm going to lose on this defense line or whatever. You know, they're going to attack faster. So, yeah. um, Cool. And it's know. cool that it's a one-player game. Yeah, it is really cool. <laughs> That's what I have to add to the review. Oh, it's for one yeah. player. That's and, neat. <laughs> and not only is it just for one player, it is a campaign and you like unlock new things and there's oh, story cool. and and like you get new cities and new characters who come into the mix and it's all packed in the box in a way that is that part of the fun where once you play through it is it going to be as fun once you've unlocked everything i think it will i think it would be a great game irregardless of the campaign it would have been a great game in fact it won it originally won an award i believe for being a like the nine, Spiele das not that award it was actually a print and play award so it was totally indie like they made it put it up on board game geek and it was a part of this contest and it was a nine card indie game and it won and then um and then a publisher was like let's pick this up and then they're like since we're going to produce it let's flesh it out and they added all this extra content but even without all that it's a super fun awesome little solo game that probably takes like 20 minutes 20 30 minutes so yeah that's awesome yeah i was loving that cool we also watched well i watched and then i think maybe you played 
the Great British Bake Off oh, this yeah. morning. I, that's what you were doing while I was playing. Which <laughs> I did enjoy it. It did that really slowed me down. That was why it was hard to estimate <laughs> the time because I did watch the baking show like pretty much half the time. I yeah, just you like, were you would look down and you'd look up for a little bit, and then like ten minutes go by, and you're like, what? <laughs> well, it that's was, what that's gonna be so stodgy. Yeah, <laughs> I finally learned what stodgy meant in terms of eating food because of your stodgy rice. <laughs> <laughs> I made some stodgy rice. Uh, uh, there was like because I just finished whatever the previous season was where it was like in the summer of 2020 and they were in their bubble and I already forget who won. It was the little kid. Peter. <gasps> it Peter. was Peter. I don't from know how like little he Scotland is, but he looks like a baby. He's like 19. He's a little baby. And that was, so, I just love the Great British Bake Off. Like, it's just so comforting and it's just so sweet. And I love Noel. Um, what's his face? What's the last name? Noel. He's on the it. Mighty Boosh and the IT crowd. And he's like a vampire. <laughs> Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding. Yeah. I also love him. And I was Which not is that such in... a funny pairing, like him <sighs> and the great British Bake Off. And I love it so much. I know. It was, I when I first saw him on there, I was like, what? Because I did know him from like the Mighty Boosh and stuff like yeah. this. And I was like, what is going on? And I had never watched that so show. Good. But but I do really like it. And I, I mean, I really do get pretty into it. And I don't usually like reality television or cooking <laughs> television or anything like that. But I do really like it. And I do really like the Christmas yeah. One as well, just because I don't bake and I don't do Christmas that much, even mm-hmm. though Christmas is like my whole life at work. But there is something just like really nice and cozy about it. It doesn't make me really yeah. want to bake, but I'm like, I wish someone around me was baking. So if you want to yeah. bake, I'd be like, this is great. Well, yeah, and I do bake and then you do the dishes and it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's just nice because there was like, it was like the Christmas episode and then it was the Dairy Girls so it was the actors from the TV show, The Dairy Girls, yeah. that were in the next one. And it was those were both really great because they were just like single one-off episodes. Yeah. And so it's like you had the signature bake, the technical challenge, and the showstopper. And then they basically crowned the winner just the like in that one episode. Yeah. And it was just – it was really great and – I just love it. I that's one thing I miss from like real TV is being able to turn the TV on and I have to like make a choice of what to watch and I could just go to the Food Network and just have like shows on and just see some delicious food and I love it. Yeah, I can see how that'd be really comforting. So that's always a nice way to get started. So that's what I've been up to. Yeah. So other than just like rewatching all of my favorites like what we do in the shadows that's on rewatch right now. Always. Uh, that's kind of taking the place of uh, the good place. Oh, I, I, I am reading a book by Maria Konnikova called The Confidence Game. She was in a, an episode of Freakonomics where she was talking about her book. And I think it's her newest book. And I can't remember what it's <laughs> called. This is one of her older books, I think. And it's basically just about con men, con people, people that are, you know, the confidence men uh, that cheat us out of things and like the games and the psychology that goes into that and like what makes us so ready to be kind like willing to trust yeah people. we just want to trust people and just like everything that goes into that um so it is pretty good like i loved her interview on freakonomics i thought it was so great and i just like bought all three books right off the bat the other one was uh thinking like sherlock holmes but this one the the confidence game it's kind of a slog a little bit like it's super information heavy mm-hmm. so i can only read like 10 to 15 pages at a time before i get a little tired <laughs> uh but it's really good I could see how that would be good as a podcast, though, because I feel like sometimes yes. those people who just have like a, a textbook's wealth of information can also, so maybe good. you don't want to know all of it, but you're just like, just give me the highlights in, oh. this, in this nice little digestible format. Yes, so. it was such a good podcast. Yeah. And the book is a little bit of a slog. I think I need to insert like a easy 
beach read that I can just like tear through real quick. I need to like have, I don't have any other books in the rotation right now. So it's like, <laughs> I'm only reading that one. And I think I need a, a lighter one to kind of take a break in well, between. If you need a light book, I have a recommendation <laughs> for you. Oh yeah. Is it that one, <laughs> that one book that I keep looking over and it's pictures of people getting cut in half and insects coming out of their mouths? Yes, it, it is. sounds so pleasant. It is the classic manga Berserk. And I believe it's by Kentaro Miura. Kentaro Miura. It's basically a book about a guy named Guts, who's guts. branded by the uh, by hell, basically. Guts. Yeah, <laughs> he's branded by hell, and he's constantly hounded by demons. It's uh, a pretty sick book. It actually was published in like, I think it started in ninety. It started like eighty eight, ninety or so. Oh, wow. So it's pretty old, and it's been going for a long time. It's still kind of in print, I believe. But I, don't, I think he used to be really regular, and now it's just kind of like once in a while. Huh. Um, but I started from the very beginning. Started at the bottom, and now you're here. Uh huh. And it's just, fil- <laughs> I mean, it's like a all jokes aside, it's a dark book. Like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> not I even just the demon, but like the the themes and things like that are like pretty intense. Yeah, I um, haven't read it, but I've looked over at you reading it, and it looks gross yes it is literally just like page after page of people getting cut in half and then also uh demons in really gross things like coming out of people's mouths and stuff like that but it's really cool and it's really interesting and it's really it actually i started reading it because it inspired a lot of like the souls games it inspired a lot of popular media these days but especially the souls like there are characters who are just like this is a dark souls character that they basically just stole from this anime. And like the creator is pretty upfront about that was a huge inspiration for them. But it's okay. like, it's amazing to see. Oh, you know what else is really weird? So the, I took a screenshot of it, actually. I, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll share it somewhere. But they have a page. <laughs> On our official Instagram. They thing. have a page where they're talking about hell. And there's like this giant swirling vert, boy te, vor, vortex. <laughs> a a vortex. vortex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, a vortex. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's this giant swirling vortex, and then the character says something about, like, um, you're going to be in this swir- swirling mass of Dark Souls. And then I was like, oh, the titular line of Dark Souls. <laughs> but also, there's a character, his father figure-ish character that mm-hmm. found, I mean, it's pretty great. He, uh, this is a spoiler alert for Guts, if you don't want to get spoiled on these 20, 30-year-old manga. I was going to say, I was like, it's been 30 years. Yeah. Spoiler alerts This is just setting the out. tone for what a badass Guts is. He was born... He like fell out of the body of a hunged woman when she was dead, and people were crossing by this tree that had all these corpses hanging in it, and then this like baby comes out, and then holy shit! And so Gambino oh. picks him up, Gambi- a guy named Gambino, which of course is a very medieval sounding name. <laughs> really, medieval I... sounding name? It's not. I don't. Gambino. It's just a weird name. I just say, hey, Gambino. I know. Well, it's a, <laughs> but it stands out, and I'm like, oh, Gambino, what an interesting name or whatever. But yeah. there is a page on it where someone says. They don't say childish Gambino, but they say stop. They say, "Sir, Sir Gambino, don't you think you're being a little childish or something?" And just like, oh my gosh! And then I was like, "Is that where childish Gambino got his name?" And then I looked it up, and apparently it's not. Ah, oh, bummer! But I was like, that, that is a huge coincidence. But it was right then next you'd to have the something Dark Souls in common page. With yeah, childish Gambino would be like, "Hey, I'm man, sure we have something in common. I'm sure you do. But that would be so cool if you could like meet him, be like, "Hey, man." I really like your name. I feel like I even if he didn't get the name here. from uh, Berserk, he's probably a fan. He seems like yeah. he'd be the kind of person who might be a fan of I feel Berserk. like we could be really good friends. Maybe yeah. he can come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's listening right now, so please give me a call and we can yeah. have you on the Childish show. Childish Gambino, hit us up. Yeah. 
let's talk about board games. <laughs> then or we can guts. dance. Or guts, I or guess. Guts. I'll just like sit and listen if you guys talk about that. Oh, yeah. Well, you can read it too. Nah. If Childish Gambino came on the show, I feel like you would read a. I, you know what? You, there's not that much reading. You it's might like, be right. It's like six pages of people <laughs> getting vivisected and then a page of somebody. And he almost never says anything. It's a, his dialogue bo- boxes are always just like ellipses. Dot, dot, dot. He's always thinking. He's, he's like, always thinking. Mm-hmm. Or he's just silently stone cold staring at you. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I've been reading. <laughs> Great <laughs> British fantastic. Bake Off and Gatsu. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's really good. I'm excited to read more. Um, my roommate in college was really into Berserk and specifically Guts. He thought Guts was really cool. And I kind of like picked it up and read it and looked at it, but I never got really into it. Now looking back, I'm like, man, I had that sitting right there and I should have just read the entire thing um, because it's kind of hard to read now. I got it from the library, which is how I started to read it. You got it from the library? The yeah. library has Well, because like, you know, like it's a manga. So like every book is like, thick yeah and i'm like i i'd be fine buying it but i'm just like i don't want to take up the real estate on my shelves to like have th- my precious shelves <laughs> I, my That's shelves are pre- it is precious and and i just didn't want that so then i was like i'll get it from the library and i did it but i had to like make an account and then link my account to the minneapolis city library so they could transfer the book to me and stuff so i got like the first volume that way mm-hmm. and then i was like this is too hard so then i found readberserk.com and they just have scams there and maybe it's illegal. I'm sorry. So it's if it not is, just but a clever name. Yeah. So I that's where I've been checking it out. So everyone can check it out at that website. That's fantastic. Yeah. So should we talk about the crew? I guess so. The crew. Actually, it's not even called the crew. It's called the crew colon <laughs> the quest for planet nine. Semicolon. This is real. Hyphen. Don't poop your pants. Don't poop your pants in space. Ex- in space, exclamation mark. In space. In space. Yeah, right, so I think that, that's the full name, right? Yep, that's the full name. For, <laughs> we'll just be calling it the crew for short, though. Uh, and it is a co- cooperative trick-taking game. It is designed by Thomas Singh and published by Cosmos Games. Ooh, Cosmos. Oh, that's thematic. Well, no, but it's the crew. Cosmos does publish a lot of games that you like. I wouldn't doubt it. They have like a two-player line of games that's really good. That does sound right up my alley. Yeah. So it's a cooperative trick-taking game where the players are astronauts. This is the closest I ever will get to being an astronaut. Did you ever, growing up, remember those commercials for Space Camp? No. Oh, in my, I always wanted to go to space camp so badly, but I don't think I ever told my parents that. <laughs> I, was, I just figured there was just no way I would ever go because I feel like they're always like in Houston or something. Yeah. Like well, there that are makes real sense. space camps. Yeah. Oh, man. But there would be the commercials for them on Nickelodeon in between watching Doug. Mm. And then they'd be like, hey, do you want to go to space camp and be super fucking awesome? And I'd be like, hell yeah, I do. They're like, it's going to cost $5 million and it's in Houston. And it I was like, that's expensive. not going to happen. That makes sense. I didn't have cable. I did want moon boots, which were not Ooh. moon boots as in the moon like boots, like boots? the fashion snow boots. Yeah, yeah they it's were like those bo- ones where it's like you're kind of like it's the elastic. Yeah, they're basically like a trampoline for each foot. Yes. yes. <laughs> that are strapped to your foot. And I actually was like, <laughs> I wanted them so bad. And I tried to subliminal message it to my parents and I recorded 
um, buy Chris moon boots on a tape recorder. And then I would like, <laughs> while they were having coffee and, and, and cigarettes after dinner or something, I would like slide it into the back porch and it would just be <laughs> like Bye, me saying Chris that and on repeat. Yeah. And I thought it would Bye, work. I, for some reason boots. in the eighties, subliminal messaging seemed like it was the true and one and only future of how oh, we were totally. going to be advertised. Yeah. And play, like playing the records backwards. Yeah. Bio Chris man boots. I never got them. You know, I didn't get them because I was, I was too heavy. Oh, no. <laughs> that really brought the mood to a halt. I mean, I'm a big person, so I was I was just too heavy. So um, you're, yep. just a, you're a tall person now. I mean, I probably was just too old, too. Like, I was a big, big boy. They were like, Chris, you're a nerd. Just I mean, I was like 19 or 20. So it was you like, wanted to move? <laughs> Chris, grow up. <laughs> so, yeah. But if I had them, you can imagine. So you wanted uh, Space Camp. I wanted Moon Boots. It's basically the same. And this is this is what we got. And this is and that all led directly to us playing the crew, mm-hmm. which, as I said, is a cooperative trick taking game set in space where we... in space. Sorry. <laughs> Go. Keep going. <laughs> where we are all astronauts who are out in space doing various missions. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this is a trick-taking game, so it actually is very simple and uses it borrows mechanics from the trick-taking genre, which probably everyone's a little bit familiar with if you've ever yeah. played Hearts or Spades or Euchre or any of those classic trick-taking games. Yeah, probably the biggest mechanical that they borrowed was like the act of taking tricks. Right. And take it. Thanks. <laughs> you thought I was so serious. I thought you were, were going like, to follow up. I yes. thought you were going to have more to say nope. about the act nope. of taking tricks. Well, I'll explain the act of taking tricks. The act of taking <laughs> tricks is one person leads a hand. They play a card of a suit, usually with a number. So in this case, the suits are colors. So pink, green, blue, yellow, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so if I play a blue seven, if you have a card in your hand that matches the lead suit, you have to play it. You don't mm-hmm. have a choice. If you right. have, If I led with blue and you have a blue, you have, have to, play, to it. play it and if you have multiple blues then you can choose which one if you have no blues then you can play any other card and it doesn't matter well it does matter but you're free to play any card you want from your hand at that point once all players have played one card each the highest card that was played in the lead suit takes the trick that is they collect all the cards that were played and keep them face down in front of them in a little pile in addition most trick-taking games also have a trump suit which supersedes the lead suit if someone finds a way to play it. Uh, the crew has this, and the trump suit's called the Rockets. There's only four Rockets in the deck, and they're numbered one through four, and the highest Rocket wins a trick no matter what. So that's kind of trick-taking in a nutshell, which will be really helpful just understanding how the crew plays. So in the crew, players work together to complete missions. Every mission is comprised usually of a number of tasks Tasks are certain cards you need to win in a trick. For instance, if you're dealt the one blue as your task, at some point during the mission, you need to win the one blue card in a trick, whether you played it or somebody else played it. Once every player completes their task, the mission's over and you can move on to the next mission. This all sounds very easy and straightforward. However, the trick is in the crew, you have very limited communication. You're not allowed to talk about what's in your hand, but you do have communication tokens. To use a communication token, you simply take a card from your hand at any point between a trick, play it down in front of you, put your communication token on top of the card, in the middle of the card, or in the bottom, and that's conveying a very simple piece of information. If it's at the top of the card, that means this is the highest numbered card of this suit that I have. 
If it's at the bottom of the card, that means this is the lowest numbered card of the suit that I have. And if it's in the center of the card, that means this is the only card of this suit that I have. That is the only three pieces of information you can convey. And if it doesn't meet one of those criteria, you cannot play a card as a piece of information. So that's how winning tasks work. But the game layers on complexity. For instance, numbers where you have to win this trick first, this trick second, and this trick third. Or things like a character being sick and they're not allowed to win any tricks this turn. So it doesn't matter who wins what as long as the character who is sick doesn't win a single trick. So once you complete every task that's been assigned to all the players, you complete the mission and that's it. There are 50 missions and you can just move on to the next mission. So that's how you play the crew. So the first thing I want to ask you, Casey, is are you familiar with trick-taking games? Um, Kind of. I... I remember playing them. I think the only t- interaction I've ever really had with pl- trick-taking games is on my family computer back when I was growing up. Uh, and it came with Minesweeper mm-hmm. and Hearts. I think it was Hearts. Probably Hearts, yeah. I think that was the closest thing I ever came to trick-taking. So how difficult was it for you to first wrap your head around what you're trying to do in this game? Or even the concept of how you play the game, where you have to like follow suit and you have to take tricks based on the highest card in that suit and and that and kind of the just the main mechanism of how you play the game. I think it was super easy. Was it super if easy? If I'm remembering okay. right, I think it was super easy. Because okay. I mean, we've played it quite a few times now. And it's like, oh yeah, I could do this in my sleep almost. Yeah. You know, like taking tricks and stuff. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like just those uh, days of playing hearts on the family computer before dinner time uh, kind of came rushing back to me. And uh, I think just learning the specific rules of the crew was the only thing because hearts was the only trick taking game I'd ever played. So kind of balancing like those old rules with the rules of the crew was probably the only thing that I really had to get used to yeah. where I was like so wait can I can I win all of these or can we is there one color we don't want to win but then as soon as you start talking about the missions it was like oh those are basically each mission is a little game in and of itself each mission has its own rules right yes. um it was yeah. it was pretty easy to jump into I think I've seen like other people not really struggle with the idea of trick taking or the idea of like following suit, but mm-hmm. the idea of the how you cooperate, I think, is the only thing that people struggled with at the beginning because they just want to win tricks yeah. instead of complete the missions. And I and I have to keep reiterating. It does feel like, good to win tricks. Doesn't matter if you win <laughs> tricks. It doesn't matter anything. The only thing that matters is you take, you complete your assigned task. And that's the only thing that matters. And as long as you do that, we're doing okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if people have familiarity with trick taking, I think it's really helpful because then you don't have to explain how like following suit works and how trump suits work and all of those things. But also, um, if there is no familiarity, it's still really easy. I think so. And it's. If you don't explain, if if somebody doesn't have that background of trick-taking, you just don't have to explain it as a trick-taking game. And you just say, hey, just come, kind of explain it for the very first time. And mm-hmm. you just say, hey, if you have the highest card of the, the lead suit, then you take those cards. Yeah. That's and the, about it. And the missions do start really, really simple. Like really simple. You assign one task to one person, and then you have to get that person to win the task, which is just like really, really simple. Yeah. But, you could do it like in the very first hand, yeah. which is really great that they start off so slow because it's a great way to introduce people to it but you and me have played that first round yeah multiple times <laughs> now and it i'm i'm really glad that it ramps up because yes. if they were like that like i would not be able to play this game for very long but it does a really good job of like bringing people in 
easing them along into the complexity because I think one thing that one thing I've realized about this game is it it really does feel like a pretty intense puzzle at a higher level like it feels more like a puzzle game than anything else to me mm-hmm. where there's kind of a series of interlocking decisions where it's like if I play this then you're going to be left with that and then we're not going to be able to complete this so you know you're kind of like you know, having these multiple steps of how things are going to be played out. I think that's why those beginner missions are really nice because if you jumped right into those higher level missions, people would just like not even be able to figure anything out. Yeah, they get more difficult and they start to involve everybody. So everybody has a card or a trick that they have to win. And then we start putting in like an order where it's like, I have to win my trick before you. And then we start adding in orders of like, okay, here's the first trick that needs to be won and the second and the third. And then they get to weird missions where it's like on this mission, one player is sick. Right. And they just can't win any tricks. It doesn't matter who wins the other tricks as long as if you're the sick player, Casey. It's like Casey can't win any tricks. Yep. So the other players have to make sure, you know, that we're all communicating to make sure that they win the tricks and I don't win any of them. Yeah, which is really hard and it's kind of a different, interesting challenge. So I think that's what's really cool about this game is that there is so much variety, like Mm -hmm. 50 missions. And we haven't even like scratched your surface. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, we have not played like mission for mission and sat down and ran through the entire thing. There's so many missions. Yeah, This is definitely a game that can last for a while. Yeah, but individually it can't. And I think that's what's really cool is that Every single mission of the crew is technically its own game. So if you played 10 Mm -hmm. missions of the crew, you're playing a game 10 times. Um, You're not playing like, it's not a continuation. You're just kind of like redealing, restarting fresh. There's so much variety in those missions that you could like find your favorite mission. And I kind of have, I think I have like a couple missions that hit a sweet spot of not too complex that a new player can't figure them out, but also complex enough that they're not like a cakewalk. Mm Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that I kind of instantly graduate us to as fast as possible because they are a puzzle that you just like get to solve again and again and again. And it's always different because you're always getting dealt different tasks and cards. Yeah, it is just like and it's so funny because like last week we talked about Everdell, which is like this big game, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's a big board and it probably takes like 45 minutes to an hour for two people to play it. Yeah. yeah, Um, It increases a little bit with each person you add. And like the crew is just cards. It's just cards. And it probably, I'm guessing it costs like 15 bucks. Yeah. 15 tops. I think, I think it's MSRP is 15 and I often see it for less. So yeah. And it is a game. You could probably have your grandparents play this game. I think you could play, you know, especially because like, I feel like as millennials, uh, or I guess we're on the older side of millennials, maybe even you're out of it. I'm not sure. But we didn't grow up with trick-taking games. I feel like that's not really a thing. We don't have card clubs. Like, my parents had card clubs. Yeah. Like, that's what they used to do. So I think trick-taking games aren't as popular with the younger generations as they were with the older generations. Right. And like, so everybody feel... who's over a certain age plays bridge or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like you could just bring... The... This is a really great game to play with everybody. Yeah. Um, low investment. You can play a couple. And if you don't like it, you can just leave. You know, you can play it with down to three people. Well, you can play with two. That's right. You can play it with two because of like the AI. Yeah. In two players, there is a a special setup for two players where there's basically a third automated player named Jarvis. And it is basically a shared hand. And whoever is the captain for that round 
plays a card for Jarvis. There's sort of a series of cards that are dealt face up and face down. So you know kind of half of Jarvis's hand, but not the other half. So it's slowly revealed to all the cards he has. And it just becomes its own different puzzle. It's even more puzzly. It's really fun and it works really well. But ideally, I'd like to play it at three or four players, I think. But that's pretty easy to do because it's not that hard to find players to try it out with. You can just throw it down and explain a couple things and you're off to the races. Like teaching this game is a super low investment. Yeah, it is a super low investment. A game can be as fast as a minute. Yeah, it's super fast. In fact, it's so fast that sometimes it's just such a bite-sized nugget that I'm kind of like, sometimes I'm not even in the mood to play it, but I'm like, this person will really like it. I know like my brother will really like it or something because he likes trick-taking games. Mm So, Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, ah, we could play it. It's so short. Like I'll just teach him. And then it's just really kind of like candy or chips where you're just like, all right, we did it. Let's do another one that's a little harder. Okay, let's try a little bit harder. And then all of a sudden you're just like mm, popping them chips. and you're just like, <laughs> well, yeah. pretty soon you're just like, well, let's just do that one and again. And you're just like eating and eating and yeah, eating. I'll like, just do one, maybe two. And then you're just like, where'd the bag go? And then we're like, oh, we were so close. We almost beat that one. Let's just try it again. Yes. Oh, you know what? We beat that one. But oh, look at this next one's weird. So you kind of do the next one. And even if I'm not really in the mood, after a couple hands of it or a couple missions of it, I'm just like... Again, 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 again. And totally. Yeah, you just get sucked into it for sure. And it's kind of even hard to decide when to stop because I feel like a lot of times we're kind of like, should we stop now? And people are like, well, we could do another one. It's so short. And then everyone's kind of like, yeah, but we are we probably should just stop. Cause I definitely feel like I, re- I reach a stopping point with this because... You know, it is just basically the same thing over and over and over, just in different flavors. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel like I reached like a a pretty clear stopping point and I'm just kind of like, eh, I mean, like I'm good. I don't really need to play anymore. It's kind of, it's the perfect little dessert, like what you said. Like yeah. it's just, uh, you know, a great game to play while you're waiting for somebody. To, if you're doing a game night and you have one more person that you're waiting for, it's a great game to play. Or if it's like, well, we have like 15 minutes left before somebody needs to leave. Like, let's play a few rounds of the crew. It does end up like, especially when you play those first few rounds that go by so quick, you're just basically shuffling the whole time. And it's just like, (laughs) because you have to shuffle the mission cards and you shuffle the regular deck and you're just like shuffling and dealing. And then you're arranging your cards, you know, so you can get all your colors together. I feel like, yeah, in the very beginning, it's a lot of just like busy work. But, you know, once you get a few missions done i'm kind of i'm good if we had a consistent group though we probably would never go back to the like it would be interesting to play with a consistent group because i would like to try some of those tougher ones because it is it is one of those things where it's like if you are on a mission and you just keep failing you do want to keep going until you succeed because you're so close each time and it's like oh i see okay i see what we did there like let's try it again Mm -hmm. and then once you win that usually i'm kind of like okay i think i'm good once, once we beat like a really tough mission, you don't want to start the next I'm, one. You yeah, don't wanna, you're I think not I'm good. like, what's next? For sure. And and they, there is a level of mental gymnastics you kind of have to get ready for. But if you did have a consistent group, I think it's really interesting that everyone also has their own play style a little bit. And that can be really good or really bad, depending on how happy you are with their play style. I have a specific idea of success where I'm like, you know what? If I just win this first trick on the first hand, then we're halfway done or we're, you know, then we're a fourth done and it's just over. So even though it's a very 
it's a very risky move. I'll just be like, I'm just going to throw this out on the table. And mm-hmm. if we win, we're one step closer. But if we don't, then we just have to shuffle everything and start over. So I'm probably a culprit in making us shuffle more because I, I just like try and win bigger, go home. And I'm just like, yeah. we're going to do this in one trick and I'm just going to Because it is it. such a low investment. It's like, yeah. why the heck not? Just do it. Let's see what happens. And that's the part <laughs> of the fun. And that's because, you know, you're in space. It's uh. It's risky. Yeah. You're putting it all out on the line. The thing that's nice, though, too, is like you and me and usually the people we play with are super chill. And so if we do fuck it up like that and be like, uh, why did you do that? It's like, okay, okay, let's just take it back and just like keep playing. But that also is like people can be on different levels because I remember playing with my brother who is, like I said, really into Euchre, really into like trick taking games. Euchre. (laughs) Well, he is. Euchre and the Yuppie. He picked it up really quickly because he just was like familiar with kind of like how to bait out cards and things like that with trick taking strategies. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like on a much lower level or something. And I just remember like in his mind, it was all figured out. And then I would play a card and he's just like, why would you play that? Oh, my gosh. I do remember that when we were up at the cabin. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just and like. To him, he he, he was, was seeing so something. not having it. <laughs> he, he was seeing something that I wasn't able to see, and yeah. I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't, because like I'm like I don't know, like I don't like I don't know why it's a bad, like I don't know what is making you think it's a bad idea or a good idea. Yeah. And so I think people, if you kind of had a consistent group and everyone was at like the same level of mastery or if, or non mastery or non mastery, um, that yep. might make it a lot easier to do better in those really high pressure hard missions because yeah i forget that there, i mean like there is a strategy to trick taking games and because mm-hmm. yeah, that's usually I mean, what that's it fine. is is usually you're teamed up at least with 500 how my because my parents would do cards club every yeah. like uh once a month but it was a different family that hosted and when it was at our house i i loved it so much because <laughs> my mom made the best food because it was all like appetizers like nacho dip and like chicken wings and fruit pizza <sighs> There's something cool about like, and I, you know, all of her friends were super nice and there's just something cool about like adults being around and you're just like, oh, what are they talking about? Like, what's so cool? Like you can't go in the living room, you know, and you have to stay downstairs. Then you kind of sneak in and listen. But that one you're like, I think, you know, you have your teammate across the table mm-hmm. and it's like, I think again, you can't really talk. Right. Well, I think you can't because that you're actively playing against another set of you're people. Act- who yeah, will, and you, you can't really say like you. what you have, what you don't have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I think you get really, especially if you have your teammate that you're with a lot, you get really good at like trick taking game uh, strategies. Trick taking aficionados are a next level of competition, of and I mean, yeah. like I know people that my mom played with and stuff, and she's just like, I don't play with those people because they are just too into it and they yep. do and they get mad when you when you don't play the right card and it's obvious you should have or something like that that being said my brother was not like that but he 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 was seeing something <laughs> but I yeah, wasn't there was definitely just kind of like why the, why would you play that yeah yeah so I think to round it out I like the crew a lot it's not like my favorite game but I think it's really great I think it's really special and different mm-hmm. and easy to play. So I definitely write, and it's such a low investment of like buying it and teaching it and playing it and in it, space. It's just a card deck. But I think I also wanted to say that I, my brother was into trick taking games. I was actively not. I do remember that because I remember when you bought this game, 
I was kind of surprised because I remember you made a statement that you were like, I do not like trick taking games. Yeah. And that's, and when I was a kid and when my brother was playing Euchre with his friends and I tried to learn it, I played, I would try and join them. And I was like into games and I was like, you guys mm-hmm. are playing games. I love games. What? Let's play. And then I'd play yeah. it. And like the fact that you had to follow, I was just like, I feel like I'm not making decisions and but I never stuck around long enough to really get into it. And I just mm-hmm. kind of was not into it. And then as I grew up and I kind of found out the, about the genre of trick-taking games and the the more hobbyist versions of the trick-taking games like Teach You and Wizard and all these all these different versions, I was like, okay, there's something here, obviously, and I need to find out what it is. And I bought a few of them and I bought Chronicle, which is by the guy who made Love Letter, mm-hmm. which is like a trick-taking mm-hmm. game with powers and stuff. Yeah. And I was just yeah, like... Yeah, kind of a trick-taking game. And I was just like... None of these, I just couldn't figure out and I still didn't yeah. like them. And then I was like, okay, I give up. And then everyone was talking about the crew and it came out and it won the Spiel des Jahres and did win these big rewards. I was just like, all right, I'm going to buy the it. Spiel des Jahres? It won the Spiel des Jahres or, Spiel the, des Jahres. Ke- or the Kenner Spiel des Jahres. The Kenner Spiel des Jahres. I don't have a box that has a Kinder, Kinder Spiel des Jahres. It won a lot of rewards, like yeah. a lot of them, not just those awards, but it just won a lot of awards. So I was like, this is it. I'm going to get the crew. Mm -hmm. This is the trick-taking game that people are saying people can play and get into and really love, even if they're not in trick-taking games. I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. And then instantly, like within two hands, I was like, this is really interesting. And this is really fun and exciting. So Yeah, especially because we played with Jarvis. I think I was the first one you played it with. Probably, yeah. When we were sitting out in your garage. It was nice out. In the summertime. The summertime. It did spark a interest to, now that I understand trick-taking, it has sparked it has right. sparked a new found interest and I've been buying trick-taking games. Although the crew and Fox in the Forest are pretty much the only ones you can play two-player for the most part. Mm-hmm. And we played Fox in the Forest. You and did play Fox in the Forest and you beat my butt. I did. I could not. I cannot <laughs> win at that game. I mean, we only played it that one time. Yeah, like, we played we it played like a couple of four hands or something. Yeah. Maybe. We played it a few times, but like in the span of one day, and we have not played it since. <laughs> and then you also bought the Fox in the Forest duet. duet. Which is another cooperative trick-taking game. Which I have not. Oh, cooperative. I like that. I know. Well, that's why I was like, I think you we haven't liked, played it yet. You liked the concept maybe of Fox in the Forest, but I just beat your butt so bad at it. You were just <laughs> not interested in playing it anymore. Even though I don't think I beat you that I'm bad at totally it. I'm totally still interested in playing it, but I just have... <laughs> okay flashbacks well, it I was also, just like devastating yeah and i bought a couple more so i'm super excited to be able to yeah. get together with people again because obviously you need a certain amount of people i think um, that it, right, that right there i think is part of it too i think trick-taking games have a very social aspect to them mm-hmm. too that if it's not if you don't if you're not super in with the group that you are playing with uh it might not feel as fun I feel like trick-taking games, like from what you grew up with, like those kind of trick-taking games have a very heavy social aspect where it's like you're kind of chatting and you're playing. And the nice thing about these card games, and it's nice because the crew is very similar. There's like one extra little piece, like the token, and then Fox in the Forest, you know, it's just cards where it's just like, it's nice because it's super chill. Like you can relax. You don't have to kind of stand up to look at the board and, you know, get read things and kind of understand how things are going or whatever. It's just like just some cards in your hand and you're just like flopping them down and just it's just like nice and relaxing. It's like the game you play over dessert with coffee. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's exactly it. And and I think that's why those games where you have a partner are really popular and successful is because you don't need 
a whole group, you need a partner and then you can match up against other partners. So you're yeah. kind of not, you know, obviously people play in groups, but I think just having that one other person that that's like, that's my person. And then, yep. you know, we're going to play against other people. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of just need that one special bond, which is fun. It's true. So I'm yeah. super excited to get those to the table. I think crew is awesome and, and is going to keep its spot in my collection. But I also, it's like expanded a whole shelf where now I'm like kind of filling up on <laughs> trick-taking games, which You're I haven't even era. been able to play any of them yet, truly. So it's kind of like <laughs> I shouldn't buy any more, but we'll see. Maybe someday, maybe someday once we can uh, get a little group together that can meet regularly, we can have a trick-taking palooza where we play a bunch of them yeah for oh that would be fun yeah. and we can we could do a card club yeah we can <gasps> and i a... can make nacho cheese yeah <laughs> and with Velveeta and rotel and chicken wings and fruit pizza you can do that anyway yeah you can do that tonight i mean i could Ugh, that sounds like so much work okay well <laughs> we'll wait for our trick-taking card game <laughs> i think this will be a great one um to bring up to my parents place yeah i think they'll really i think they'll really like this It'll be curious. Yeah, I think they might like it. Yeah, I think. I think your mom. Okay, this is the last thing I want to talk about the crew. This is what <laughs> one thing I forgot to talk about. But it's so easy to cheat in the crew because people will say things they're not supposed to say that they just kind of don't realize they're not supposed to say, oh, or they yeah. will play a card and then. <laughs> Think about it as soon as I'm they sorry, play. I'm sorry, that it. was like a super loud clack because that <laughs> reminds me of when we were playing with Brian. Yeah, and he would just he would play a card and be like. Oh, I didn't mean to play that. And then he'd take, and he it, would back, take it back. And then he'd and then play, play another one and take it back. And then he'd play another one. And then he'd and be we like, that's like, the one I want to play. We saw half of his deck. Yeah, I was like, well, now that we've seen three out of your seven cards, that's great. <laughs> it was just so funny. I don't know why I think that's so funny. But he was just like basically just like showing us his cold deck one card at a time. Yeah. So oh, I think it was awesome. That's, and that's just something that comes with these like – um you know, limited information games like Hanabi or the crew or anything like that, where you're not allowed to say things, people will just say them. You can't help it. You say it and you're like, oh shit. And it, (laughs) yeah. So you, you have to be with a group that's either really good about following the rules or cool with just being like, whatever, we're not going to read. We're not going to redeal it because you just accidentally played a card. I think we fall in the latter group where it's like, you know, whatever. It's a game. Yeah. Like we try our best. It's like you you go into it with the grand idea of just keeping <laughs> your trap shut, but you can't help it. You just can't help it sometimes. And, and and you just accidentally give information away. Or especially right when you're first learning. You know, we uh I feel like when we were first learning we talked a lot just because we're like, Oh, we're just learning. Yeah. But then we kind of formed a bad habit, I think, of yeah. talking a yep. little bit. Yep. And so Yeah, but, and I mean, and, whatever. And you Shit kind happens. of need to talk to people who don't quite understand what's going on because you're like, all right, here is what we need to be thinking about to solve these problems. There are some people who are sometimes, and I think Ryan did this, where he's like, this is impossible. And he just decides <gasps> yes. it's impossible. And he's yes. like, based on the cards in my hands, yes. yep. it's impossible. And I'm like, but it's not. And he's like, no, it's impossible. And I'm like, well, let's just play it out and see if it's possible. Right. Because they don't see all the inner workings. There are so many other ways. And especially if they forget, like, there's rockets out there. Yeah. They forget that there's other ways for a player to get the card that they need to get. To win a trick. Like, there's so many different ways you can win. And yeah, yeah you have to kind of just be cool with just trying it out. Yeah. If so- you still have cards in your hand 
play it out to the end. Which I think is super fun. But people who feel defeated are just like, there's no way we can do this. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, well, let's, you know, we can kind of like talk about the strategies and here's a maybe a way, like hypothetically, if the cards were like yeah, this. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah, talking it about is like fun, those hypothetical strategies. But sometimes those hypotheticals turn into people just being like, well, I don't have a three in my hand or something. And you're just like, well, don't. Yeah. But anyway, I think it's really funny. Wah, 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 it's just wah, wah, like wah. something that I, I'm curious to see how your mom does. Me too, because she is that kind of person way. who's she's just like, going to be no. like, she's just going to turn her car around and be like, why do I have all these different colors? And I'll be like, <laughs> well, luckily she has a history with trick taking oh, yeah, games, right. so I yeah. feel like she could jump into it. But yes, she definitely is a person where with ambiguous rules and I think the the lack of communication, it could kind of get to her. But oh my god, you remember that time we played Secret Hitler and we had to deal <laughs> the, the roles like. <laughs> seven times before we actually started a game oh my god it was so amazing (laughs) we kept having false starts every single time it was so funny yeah yes i'm very excited to bring this up to my parents place it'll be super fun well thanks for joining us for episode number two of shuffle buddies yeah shuffle buddies i think we should probably start doing the obligatory uh you can find us on instagram at shuffle underscore buddies underscore pod you can find us on twitter at shuffle underscore buddies you can find us on the itunes music store nope that's not what it is anymore it's the uh, I- apple podcast apple. rate review and, re- and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> rate review and subscribe and on spotify um that would be super helpful yeah it'd be so cool to like form a little shuffle buddies pod yeah i don't know if i told you this but i started a board game geek guild that's right because you invited me i joined the guild okay yeah so it's just two of us i don't really know what to do with those or what but i started it so if you want to join it you can (laughs) i will have to find more information about that for episode three because i know there's like a number they have to type in to find it but we've got that and shufflebuddies.com yeah you can go to shufflebuddies.com and find out all about us So check us out in all those places, and we will shuffle at you next time. We're going to shuffle away. Shuffle, 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 sh